0: Kind Heavenly Father, we have appreciated the morning time for sweet time together with you in prayer. Be with us now and as we, in our talk this morning, as we open your word, bless us this day in Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. And you shall be like a watered garden and a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. This morning I'll be sharing our family's testimony about starting to farm. Uh, My wife, Mary Beth, grew up in the country and loved it in the country. I grew up in town, so I was a city kid. In a town of about 5,000 people. My father was a carpenter, but he was also a very avid outdoorsman who hunted and fished and trapped. And even though he was not an Adventist, he gave me an enduring love for nature and the things of out, outdoors. Because my, my mother figured I'd go and fishing with Dad every day, she took me each Sabbath after church to my uncle's farm. And It was so interesting out on the farm. I loved it out there. And you know, as I grew up, most of my dreams at night took place out on that farm. And I used to work for my uncle. In the summers, I enjoyed making hay out on the farm and I enjoyed, not quite so much, walking the bean fields, uh, weeding his soybeans. Don't do that anymore. Uh, And after college, I became a certified public accountant and Mary Beth and I bought a home on the outskirts of Rochester, Minnesota. I took a job working for an Adventist CPA in Dodge Center, Minnesota. The practice where I worked, uh, we did a lot of farm income tax returns and so I was very acquainted with farmers. And at the time, back then, they weren't doing very well financially. In fact, the joke around the neighborhood really was, how do you become a millionaire? Well, you start with two million and you farm for a year or two. That's how you become a millionaire. I viewed farming as a lot of work and a great lifestyle, but no money in it. That was how it seemed to me as I was doing these tax returns. And... uh, I remember the farm crisis of 1986 there uh, when land prices dropped from $3,000 an acre to about $600 an acre almost overnight. It was stunning. Probably 20% of our farm clients went broke. It was very difficult times. I can tell you I wouldn't have dreamed of starting to farm myself. The Bible says, and the Lord will guide you continually. Isn't that true? Have you found that to be true in your life? I mean, isn't it true all the time? I certainly have. God is so faithful, time after time after time. Someone once told me that sometimes in our lives it's so dark that you really can't see the place to put your next step. Isn't that true? And yet, when we turn around and look behind us, we see a four-lane highway of where God has led. Isn't that true? Well, after five years of living on the outskirts of the city of Rochester, Mary Beth and I knew for sure we needed to get out into the country to raise our family. I bought, I tried. I tried so hard to buy a little five-acre uh, place with a house out in the country, and God said no. I I tried so hard, I tried to sell our house. It wouldn't sell. Nothing worked. Finally, a man came into my office and said, I heard you're looking for a place in the country. I said, yeah, I am. He was selling an old farmhouse and barn and 50 acres of land. Well, God overruled. We bought that little farm. God didn't want me to have just a couple acres. He wanted me to have 50 acres. God overruled, and I'm so thankful that God wouldn't give me what I wanted. Maybe that's happened to you. You wanted something, and God said, no, I've got something better for you in mind. So I'm so glad he said no. Well, after 20 years of accounting work, I felt God's call to serve in the mission field as a volunteer. We were volunteers in Africa for 11 years, Mary Beth and I, and Andrew sitting between us there, uh, we started, we sold my accounting practice and moved to Kibidula Farm in Tanzania, and we lived off the rent from my home and the house. We had paid off the farm, and then after eight years at Kibidula in Tanzania, we were in the Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo, for three years. I was involved in evangelism, publishing, church planting, and of course, always the accountant, got to do the treasure work. Well. It was a blessing to work with our son Keith and Tammy there in the Congo. And uh, that was just a real blessing. And Nathan and Starla. And Nathan and Starla are here at our meetings. That's fun to have them here. And they're going to be moving to Tanzania to work with Kibidula Farms uh, in March of this year. I hope you get a chance to talk to them. But once again, I saw the farming was discouraging there in the village, seeing the struggle of subsistence farmers, usually farming an acre, maybe two, of corn. Maybe they were getting 10 bushels to the acre. It was a hard life. Hunger, hard work, battling weather, lack of soil fertility, bugs, disease. It was heartbreaking to watch it, really. Alcoholism was rampant. People were flocking to the cities, seeking to fulfill their dreams. And when they got there, they saw their dreams crushed and lost their families oftentimes. Their lives out on the farm were simple no crop, no eat. That's pretty simple, isn't it? And you know, it was sad because if you wanted to insult someone, you called him an imshamba. You know what Mshamba is in Swahili? That's a farmer. That's how you insulted somebody. Isn't that true, Grace? And uh, I would ask young people, what does your dad do for a living? Well, he doesn't do anything for a living. He's a farmer. Well, that was the kind of mental attitude people had toward farming. And how much we need to be able to go to these other countries and lift up their ideal of what God's plan was for farming and give them knowledge so that they can see a better way of life, how much we need to do that. I appreciate these agricultural missionaries. And uh, I see some of sitting here right now, and I'm just so thankful for the work you're doing. But they were people needing hope. And when we extended the gospel message to them, they readily accepted it. Praise God. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as the noonday. How true that is. The thing I learned working in the mission field was to trust in God. I didn't know what I was doing, but I tried my very best. I made so many mistakes. But in spite of these, God blessed our work there exponentially beyond what we could imagine. I remember Nathan helping us drill over 50 wells, and the impact that made on probably 100 or 200,000 people's lives was just amazing. We had the privilege, this is with my friend Rudy Harnish, who mentored me in Tanzania, and uh, getting probably a couple hundred thousand books out to coal Porters during those years. It was just amazing. And distributing tons and tons of Bible studies and literature out to people. And we just praise the Lord for those opportunities. In training, we had evangelism training school. We trained so many church planters and they were so diligent in their work. And we had the privilege of seeing over those years, over 10,000 people baptized. I can only say thank you, Lord, for the privilege of working with you because it's you doing all the work. It wasn't really until later that I found the same thing in farming. Trust in the Lord, work really hard, and then watch God bless your efforts. He's the one who does most of the work. Well, after 11 years overseas, we moved back to Minnesota for family reasons, and I'll be honest, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. I started doing some income tax returns again because that's what I knew how to do. And we were so thankful to have be back at our little home in the country. It's like an oasis. And I wondered if God maybe had a plan for me to use these acres that he had given to me years ago. Quotes like these went through my mind. In God's plan for Israel, every family had a home on the land with sufficient ground for tilling. Thus were provided both the means and the incentive for a useful, industrious, and self-supporting life. No devising of men has ever improved upon that plan. To the world's departure from it is owing to a large degree the poverty and wretchedness that exist today. That's good counsel, isn't it? I pondered these things. The Garden of Eden was a representation of what God desired the whole earth to become, and it was his purpose that as the human family increased in numbers, they should establish other homes and schools like the one he had given. Well, we prayed about it. Mary Beth has always been an avid gardener. I was just kind of her sidekick in that regard. But she was happy to have the idea of starting to farm. And we thought about the independence and freedom that that could offer us. I was tired of years of going away to the office every day. But how to start? I didn't have a clue. I needed help. I needed somebody to encourage me and and guide me. And God reminded me of an 80-year-old Adventist man living just 25 miles away in Rochester. And he he had a strawberry and asparagus farm. So I went and saw Ron, and Ron was 80 years old and still had the vigor of a young man working and farming. And I said, Mary Beth, this is the fountain of youth, this strawberry farming. I'm going to stay young doing this. I think we ought to try it. And so we started Miracle Strawberry Farm, and I've been chided many times, saying, Barry, you blew it, you named it, it should have been Barry's Berries. <laughs> and uh, I said, no, we wanted it to be Miracle Strawberry Farm because that way every conversation with our customers will be, have the potential to be spiritual conversations. I don't want my name to be just Barry's Berries. And it also reminded us of the time when we were just thankful to be alive every day after the airplane crash that we survived as a family in uh, 2008. 47 people died that day in that airplane crash, but we all got out alive. Praise God. You can read about the story in Flight 122, it's for sale at the Ad Agra booth this week. Pick up a copy, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, but Anyway, that name, Miracle Strawberry Farm, we really wanted to do our best because I felt like with that name, we kind of had God's name on the line every day, and I wanted to do the best we could do. Well, I took a beginning farmer class, and God taught us so much in these last six years. Our instructor said, growing fruits and vegetables is not rocket science. There are a lot more variables. You ever heard that one? Well, it's true, it's complicated. But Ron was my mentor. This is Ron and Andrew and I. I went to Ron's farm. I don't think I could have started farming without Ron. Seeing it done, I copied many of the things he did and it would have been almost impossible to start without him. He's still farming, by the way, in his mid-80s now. I talk to him frequently. Ron was my mentor. Friends, how many Adventists are there like me out there? They maybe want to move to the country. They want a garden. They'd even consider farming if they could just be inspired by those already doing it, to see it being done, to pick the produce, to see customers happily buying produce. They need to see a living parable. Well, they need to come to Adventist farms. We need to be accessible but maybe not during the busy time. (laughs) Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and the deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Friends, others need to hear the stories of God's blessings in our lives if we're farming. Gardening, the same. Visiting our country homes so they can see the theoretical become the reality. And maybe they'd say, you know, I think I could do this with God's help. Well, in the spring of 2014, we planted 16,000 strawberry plants in two and a half acres. You don't have to start as big as I did. probably went in over my head. But, and then, not to stop there, we planted 14,000 asparagus roots on about an acre and a quarter, and then we planted 11,000 asparagus seeds. Mary Beth said, seeds are only 10 cents, roots are 35 cents, cheaper to plant seeds, right? Well, planted those seeds, and the next spring, we had to dig up all those seeds that had now become roots and then transplant them down 10 inches. It was Minnesota, you know, it's Minnesota. You've got to go down deep or they'll freeze out. Well, it was backbreaking work that spring. And I thought we would never get done planting those asparagus roots. And, of course, then you wait three years before you get any money out of it. And uh, then there was the weeds started to come. Is this any surprise to any of you? And... <laughs> I suppose it shouldn't have been to me, but we couldn't keep up with you know three four acres of weeding, and I didn't know what to do. And you know when I tried to hire people to come weed, they weren't too enthusiastic about it. And to be honest, I didn't have the money to pay them. We used up most of our life savings in the mission field, and what was left of it was in that those those acres of strawberries and asparagus. And I needed a crop. Bad. Because when you plant strawberries in Minnesota, you're going to wait a year till you get a harvest. By the time that year was up, we needed a crop. Bad. Well, late that fall of 2014, I went to the first Ed Agra conference in Tennessee, and got some encouragement through that conference. And I visited John and Pam Dysinger's farm. Thank you, John, for opening up your farm for me to go see. It gave us a lot of courage and strength to keep moving forward. And uh, be sure to take in Pam's class on hospitality. Uh, but we needed a crop. We prayed earnestly. I mentioned it more than once to the Lord. And I'll never forget when we had a consultant that came to our farm and looked at, walked up and down the fields, looked at the strawberries. They just looked like blossoms to me. I had no experience with it. And he came to me and he said the most amazing words. He said, you better get ready. I don't think you could ever sell all the strawberries in that field. He said in the rest of your life you will never get another crop like this. And it was true. At the end of our three-week season we had sold $64,000 worth of strawberries. We were just astounded and that was after about 40% of them rotted in the field because I couldn't get them out fast enough. And that started the annual, thank you, Jesus. Thank every year it has been that way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We can't say it enough. He does it over and over and over again. Now, that's not to say we get record crops every year. Some years we should have gotten no crop, but we got a crop and we said, thank you, Lord. There's miracles every year. The next year, oh, that's, oh. Better do a little bit more here. We, this is some of our strawberries. And it's fun to work with our family, but that next spring, it's Minnesota, you know. Next spring, got a real cold late frost, a killer frost. I remember I had a consultant come out. He didn't give us any insurance money, but he told us we had lost close to half of our crop. All the kingberries were dead. Well, okay, well. How does God do it? That year we sold $70,000 worth of strawberries. I could, where are these berries coming from? I don't know. But they just kept picking them and picking them and picking them out in the field. It's just unbelievable. And that's what it took to get over my bad attitude about farming. God showed me, you can make money at this. What's the matter with you? Don't you see that I grow these things? He had to convert me. And that's what it took to show me that we were, got, by then we had our heads above water. We could keep going. And uh, it's such a blessing to see people out there getting fresh food for their tables. Good food that they can trust and eat. And it's fun to work with family. Much of my family helps when they can. It's just a thrill to work together on the farm. And my grandkids love to come to the farm. Why not, free strawberries, you know? And uh, it's just a lot of fun and it's a joy. We've had television crews out at our farm. It's just a joy to see people picking those berries and to talk to them about Jesus. Well, the next year, or a couple of years later then, uh, south winds were real strong in the spring. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't see the zillions and zillions of flower thrips that were falling out of the sky onto our berry patches from the south. Anyway, then the hail came and took out most of what was left of the crop. When a hailstone meets a strawberry, you know who wins every single time? It's the hailstone. Well, the thrips devoured the blossoms and I looked out there. I remember on opening day that year, that's the day you want people to come and say, wow, and go home and tell their friends. I remember going out in the field, the man came and he looked at the strawberries that were out there and he said, these look pretty picked over, I think I'm gonna go somewhere else. That's opening day. It was just made me sick. I couldn't even go out in the field. I took my pickers and we went to somebody else's strawberry farm so we could at least pick something there and have something to sell anyway people were coming. Well, and the berries that had survived the thrips were not red, very distinctly brown in color. Anyway, we prayed, what else do you do? Where else do you turn? said, Lord, what, what do we do? On Sunday morning, Monica, a faithful customer, came. She'd been there Friday. She came back Sunday. I walked out to the field with her I couldn't believe my eyes Monica looked at me and said what happened the berries are red and there's lots of them she's a Catholic lady she said on the way over I was praying for your farm I said thank you Monica we've been praying too it was another miracle we got a decent crop that year should have had no crop But God did it again. We tell these stories to our customers, and they say frequently now, no wonder you call this place Miracle Strawberry Farm. We keep asking God, how do you do it? We needed irrigation for our farm, and you know, I'm just a human. I thought, well, we better drill a well. So we tried to drill a well, and I won't say why, but the state of Minnesota said, no, you're not gonna do that. Well, the Lord had other plans. He'd already put a little gravel pit right next to my building site. I didn't know about it. It was there, the gravel was there. A man came and said, I'll trade you, I'll dig the pond for nothing if you let me have the gravel. I said, okay, Lord, it's your program, let's go ahead. So I got an irrigation pond for nothing. Praise be to God. Before they call, I will what? I will answer. Now we have uh, this planter here that When we plant, it buries a drip irrigation line right underneath every single row of strawberries, and we can water them all from underneath out of our pond. Praise God. Well, the stories don't end. They're there every single year. This last year, 2019, was a short season. We got 13 inches of rain during our two-week season. That's just a bummer for strawberries. Seven inches in one night. Not only that, four times during that night while that deluge was coming down, it started to hail. Well, the berries were ripe. It was, we were in mid-season, early season. Four times that night, Mary Beth and I started to pray earnestly, Lord, these are your strawberries. Please protect them. And in the morning, I went out. Of course, the water everywhere. Pond was overflowing, dishes were full. Went out to look at my field. And uh, I went out and you could see the leaves were shredded. But the berries weren't damaged at all. I said, this is impossible. I took off my boots, knelt down there. I said, Lord, your angels were here in the night. We got a great crop this year. And I made a profit again. So between the mission field and farming, I've learned so much about trusting God from day to day. Andrew and Marybeth, Beth, I, I brought some brochures that we hand out on our farm, and they're gonna hand those out for anybody who wants to look at one, just some brochures we use. We try to tell them about work in the mission field. This is our poster that when we sell our asparagus to the, far, to the grocery stores, uh, meet your farmers, then our priorities are faith, farm, and family. And we try to point them to our website where they can learn more about, about Jesus. Our farms need to be lighthouses for God. We need to have literature available. <clears throat> In our strawberry season, we get about up to 140 cars a day coming to our little farm. Isn't that amazing? Praise God. We need to be agricultural missionaries, spreading the truth through agriculture and health. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones, and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places, and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach. Let's be living parables with our gardens, our farms and our country homes, our gardens. Invite church members out to your home to see what country living is like. Show them your garden. Give them some produce from the garden. Open our farms to guests. Maybe someday you could have a field day on your farm. And for those of you going to visit farms, make an appointment. People are busy there with a capital B. And uh, so don't just show up and say, show me around. But I can imagine maybe a website that has farms where people can see Adventist farms. Maybe a mini camp meeting, who knows? Why not? But let's mentor others and encourage them to follow God's original plan for mankind. Let's be living parables day by day. Then your light shall dawn in the darkness. Arise, shine, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for all you do for us day by day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the privilege of farming, of gardening, to see your hand at work. Thank you for being the privilege of sharing our faith with others from day to day. Thank you for the miracles in our lives each and every day. Help us, Lord, to trust you more with all our hearts and to go wherever you lead us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This media was brought to you by AudioVerse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about AudioVerse,